The Leader brings you news analysis and commentary from the Evening Standard every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. How could coronavirus change the world forever? There is a question as to what will change over the long term. All big events have a legacy that wasn't expected. Associate Editor Julian Glover on the lasting impact of the infection. And... They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing! Back from the dead, Joe Biden suddenly back in pole position to run for president after a stunning Super Tuesday win. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the lasting legacy of coronavirus. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Major global events have a habit of leaving unexpected legacies, like Spanish flu's influence on football. In 1918, the sport's popularity in Spain rocketed as people became more aware of fitness and health following the pandemic. Two years later, King Alfonso XIII acknowledged the Madrid team's role in helping a recovering nation and gave them the royal title, Real Madrid. The consequences of coronavirus are unknown, but it will leave an impact long after the infection is gone, as our editorial column explains. Up to a fifth of people may be off sick at any one time. Travel may become harder. Food supplies will be under greater pressure. Public services will be under strain, and not just the NHS. So we need to allow things such as video links in court cases to limit the risk of infection new police powers, changes in schools such as larger class sizes, and a reduction in the red tape required to register a death. Obviously, many of these dramatic changes will be short-term. But one thing history teaches us is that big, sudden changes in the way we live can have an unexpected long-term effect. We can't yet know the full effect of the virus, but Britain is about to find out.
Our associate editor, Julian Glover, is here. And Julian, right now we're all just trying to avoid getting sick, which is going to get harder with the chief medical officer warning that coronavirus is probably already spreading from person to person in some parts of the UK right now. But life is going to change with the arrival of this virus. And our editorial columns mentioned some of the emergency laws, which would definitely do that in the short term. But what about after all of this is over? There is a question as to what will change over the long term. Because whilst these laws, these powers are going to be limited in time, they're emergency ones, they'll they'll stop when they're needed, quite a lot will shift. All big events have a legacy that wasn't expected. If you look at things like the First World War, and I'm not saying coronavirus is equivalent to that, but you never know. The First World War left all sorts of things to do with drinking time in Britain. We had legislation about pub opening hours. All of those things are created out of emergency powers, in fact, passed in the middle of the war. Cultural habits change as well. Maybe we really will listen to the advice we're being given about washing hands. We certainly should. I don't know if we have to sing happy birthday forever, but we might keep washing our hands. Personal hygiene might shift. Things do change. Uh, the fascinating thing will be to see what we need now and what stays as part of, part of history. Too soon to tell but something is going to shift. Cultural shifts as well could come from this. The idea of more people home working, for example, because we're going to have a lot of people at home working outside of their offices. And do you know what? It might work. And why come back to the office? It could be. There's already been a shift, I think, to home working in the last few years. People are much more flexible. You, you look at the numbers of people travelling on the tube. Fridays, there's a real drop-off. They can track it. Uh, the idea that everybody had a job or everyone who had a job, would go off on Monday morning and then come back in the evening and keep doing that all the way to Friday, and the weekend will be separate from work, has has really gone away. Digital links have spread the working week into the weekend, but also stopped people travelling all the time. So we might see a shift in that. We might see offices disappearing a bit. Business travel, companies are all cutting back on that now. They're asking questions at the standard. You've got to fill in a form now if you've been abroad and explain where and what the risk might have been. Maybe companies will realise some of those conferences they all had were a bit pointless. They could be replaced with digital things. There are ways of working that are different. So airlines are going to find quite a quite a legacy, I think. It's also true, however, that if we all have to work at home for the next three months, we might be desperate to get out after that, uh, rather sick of sitting at the little desk under the stairs. So we can't yet know, but things will change. Fewer people on the tube, for example, fewer people perhaps cramming themselves into public transport. If they don't get into cars, that could be a good thing. It could be, although some people might think getting in a car is a bit more of an isolation than, than being on public transport. So in the short term, there could be some shifts the other way. In Italy, it's it's being reported that Italians are being asked to stand a metre apart. Well, it's very hard to do that on the Northern Line at peak hour or indeed any other point. So people will be asking questions about how you travel, what, what you need to do. And after that, some of those things might be ingrained in habits we keep for a long time. And one thing that I think is certain is that coronavirus itself and this moment in our time will not be forgotten about, will it? It's going to become part of UK culture, but also global culture as well. Do you remember that time when coronavirus was threatening us all? Yeah, we're all looking forward to the moment. It's a retrospective thing and not a thing coming down the tracks at us without any idea of quite how serious it is. It clearly is a big and real threat. Of course, it's spread around the world. It's cost a lot of lives, but of course, it hasn't cost as many lives as lots of other diseases that get less reported. Uh, do all the time so far, but that might change. Let's hope it doesn't change too much. So, yes, it will bring a big, huge change. We will look back and think about this period. Uh, I think the government is very keen to limit the extreme of of, of any major 
epidemic, try and spread the the infection over time so that not everybody is sick at once and we can keep a lot of people working. That's why they said one in five people might be off sick, not everybody all at once. Contain it, manage it, control it, and then finally bring a vaccine and, and proper treatment for it. That's going to take several months, maybe more. Next. Tonight, I tell you with absolute confidence, we are going to win the Democratic nomination. And we are going to defeat the most dangerous president in the history of this country. Bernie Sanders remains defiant, but the night that was supposed to crown him as the Democrats' presidential contender did not go his way. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you've just pulled off one of the biggest comebacks in recent political history, you can probably be forgiven for being a bit distracted. This is my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is the... Oh, you switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. Joe Biden confused his wife for his sister in the moments after it was clear he was Super Tuesday's big winner. And all was forgiven pretty quickly as Jill Biden became her husband's security detail when protesters interrupted his speech. She moved in to shield the former vice president from the demonstrators. And the neighbours, we come from the three... So a night of big drama and all watched by the Evening Standard's US correspondent David Gardner, who joins me from LA. David, how big a win is this for Joe Biden? Super Tuesday was immense for the Biden campaign. A couple of weeks ago, his campaign was pretty much dead and gone after a couple of poor showings in the first two states, New Hampshire and Iowa. Uh, he did pretty well in South Carolina at the weekend, but this was just on another scale. Just a few days ago, the press and the pundits had declared the campaign dead. He won in states he didn't have a chance of getting. Massachusetts, where Elizabeth Warren was a senator, she lost there. He won. Most people would have thought at least Bernie Sanders was the only other person who might have got in there. But no, Biden won there. He won in Texas, the second biggest prize of the day. 
Sanders was predicted to be the winner there. Joe Biden came out on top. So yes, Joe Biden's back. He's not only back, he's back as the front runner where he started out. Uh, he has more delegates now than Bernie Sanders. So how did Joe Biden do it, David? Who's voting for him? Who voted for him? Well, certainly uh, he has a lock on the black vote, it seems. He did well in South Carolina. He did well across the South of America. He also uh, appears to have done well with the older voters and certainly the more moderate voters. The key to what happened on Super Tuesday really is that Democrats are coming round to the view that perhaps Bernie Sanders may be a bit too extreme for them. But we are not only taking on the corporate establishment, we're taking on the political establishment. Bernie Sanders is promising a revolution. He has the youngsters behind him. Uh, he wants change. He doesn't want the status quo. It looks like the Democrats perhaps are worried about that and certainly worried that Mr Sanders may have trouble defeating Donald Trump. That's the, that's the big white elephant over the whole thing. They want the candidate who can beat Donald Trump. It looks from what happened yesterday that, that man for the Democrats may be Joe Biden. We've got to beat Donald Trump, and we will, but we can't become like him. We can't have a never-ending war between the parties. We are better than this president. So get back up and take back this country, the United States of America. There's not a single thing we can't do. God bless you and may God protect our troops. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How big a loss of Bernie Sanders? Um, not catastrophic. He won the biggest state of the day. He won California, which has 415 delegates. So that was huge for him. Uh, not unexpected. He also won, won three other states. So certainly he can maintain a momentum. You cannot beat Trump with the same old, same old kind of politics. We need a movement and are developing a movement of black, white, Latino, Native American, Asian American, gay and straight. But it wasn't the result you'd hoped for. He would have hoped that he could have put this race away. He would have hoped that um, with a couple of extra wins, certainly big ones, certainly Texas, if he'd got that one, uh, he could have put himself far and away above the rest of the field. That's not the case. It's a two-horse race now, pretty much. David, we know that Mike Bloomberg spent a small fortune on advertising for Super Tuesday, and this night very much did not go his way. Well, it was a disaster for him. He'd, he'd skipped the first two races... Um, hoping to make a huge impact on Super Tuesday. Now, while well, my fellow candidates spent a whole year focusing on the first four states, I was out campaigning against Donald Trump in the states where the election will actually be decided, like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pittsburgh and Ohio and North Carolina and, of course, Florida. We didn't, basically. He won the tiny U.S. territory of Samoa. That was it. Uh, and that cost him half a billion dollars in advertising. So what's next? What's next? Uh, it's now a kind of state-by-state state slog towards the party convention in July. Um, they'll be picking off delegates here and there. It's really down to these two men, these two, 70, 178, 177. Certainly it's a battle of two philosophies, uh, the moderate Democrats versus the uh, left-wing, uh, more revolutionary Democrats who really want to see some changes. It's just a question of now where the Democrats want to position themselves. 
And that's the leader. Subscribe through your podcast provider to make sure you don't miss any of our news analysis and commentary. You'll find us every day at 4pm, including tomorrow. See you then.